turning this evening to Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16. And they took their journey from Elim, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full. For you have brought us forth into this, this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. My friends, we're looking this evening at this uh, wonderful 16th chapter and my message is uh, very simply bread uh, from heaven. Uh, bread from heaven. If you know uh, this chapter, uh, I'm sure you know uh, exactly uh, where, we're, where we're going and what we'll be talking about uh, this evening. But before we come to that, just a little bit of a recap. The children of Israel, we left them on the eastern bank of the shores. They were full of joy. They were full of gladness. The shackles of slavery are broken. And now they are free and they're heading towards the promised land. And we saw last week how that song they sang, that congregational song, they sang together, or rather a couple of weeks ago, we, we, we looked into that, and how glad they were uh, to be uh, free from, from that. And they raised their voices in thanksgiving uh, to God. And I wonder, friends, how they were thinking at that particular time. It must have been, they must have been on a high, isn't it? Some kind of a, a spiritual elevated plane. Wow, see all that God has done for us. And surely uh, from now on, all the way to the promised land is going to be plain sailing. We're going to get to the promised land, probably they thought, easily, with, conveniently. It's going to be a straightforward journey it's going to be a smooth run-in from now on. It's not going to be any real trouble. What can be worse than what we have experienced? God is with us. Well, they must have felt, I'm sure, like that. Sadly, it was not to be. It was not to be like that. In, in chapter 15 and verse 22, uh, we read that... Uh, sorry, verse 23. Uh, sorry, yeah, verse 22. Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea... And they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. The Lord's got other plans uh, for the people of Israel. He's not going to give them a smooth journey because he's going to uh, train them. He's got a training in mind for his people, and he wants to teach them. And here's the first, first test. Three days, and all their water supply has run out. And uh, they can't find any uh, way to replenish that water supply. And so uh, they are no, no doubt uh, distraught. But then they come to a place called Mara. 
And there at Mara, they find water. And they bend down, they stoop down to a sip of the water, but they find that the water is bitter and it's undrinkable. And they, are, they, they murmur then against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And the Lord instructed Moses uh, to throw in, uh, he showed him a tree, throw the tree into the water, and the waters will become sweet and drinkable. And that's exactly what happened a miracle by the power of God. But this, the Lord was using this uh, situation to teach them a very early lesson in their journey. You see they, there at the end of verse 25. Uh, there he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. And what's the statute? What's the statute? What's this ordinance uh, that the Lord has done for them here at uh, Mara? Well, friends, very simply... Uh, it's this, it's, it's not a, a, a specific law, uh, a, somewhat of a general law, a principle uh, is uh, given to them. And the principle is this, that the, the Lord is leading them and they are following, and so wherever they follow him, the Lord will provide for them. They are to trust the Lord, even in the most difficult circumstances, even in seemingly impossible situations as they were here, the water is before them, they can't drink it. Well, the Lord, they are to cry to the Lord and pray to him, depend on him, ask him for his intervention, ask him for his help, and he will help them. And that's the statute that he is teaching them. That's what he wants to them to get into their minds right at the beginning of their spiritual pilgrimage, as it were, uh, to the promised land. Along the way, you're going to come across other troubles. You're going to come across other difficulties, other challenges. Remember this statute, that uh, nothing is impossible with God. Pray, trust in Him at uh, all times. And that's, a, that's for us, isn't it, as well? That's a lesson for us. That's the statute that we must hold on to all through our life, we, especially when we're beginning our Christian life. And we, uh, the Lord teaches us we must uh, uh, depend upon Him. No matter what circumstances we are going through, we must learn always to look to Him and pray to Him. Never to despair. Never to think, well, um, it's hopeless now. But to know that even if we are following the Lord, it's the Lord who brings us into those particular circumstances even. And if we are following Him, well, He is almost, we could say, bound by His attributes to provide for uh, his people. So uh, this is the, the, le the first lesson. Uh, he wants them to trust in him at all times, and it's a lesson for us. Well, from there, uh, from Mara, they, verse 27 of chapter 15, they come to Elim, and uh, things are a lot better here. It's an oasis in this wilderness. There are 12 waters, wells of water, more than enough for that uh, large congregation and three score, 70 and 10, 70 palm trees. And it's a picture isn't it, of refreshment and uh, a, a picture where they can rest and take it somewhat, uh, uh, be reinvigorated uh, during this time. They've had a difficult journey even up to this point. So he, here it's also a lesson for us, friends, that uh, life, the Christian life, is not all plain sailing on the one hand, Neither, on the other hand, is it going to be all trials and all difficulties. Sometimes we may have to go through a long trial. Sometimes, if the Lord permit, 
that that may happen to us. But it's never going to be all life a trial. In fact, usually we can say most of our, our days are happier days, are days free from trouble and distress. But we have to be, have that sort of mentality. So we're not surprised if trials do come our way and uh, difficulties and challenges do come our way, we shouldn't be surprised as long as we're not the authors of it, as long as we're still in the will of God, and that's important uh, to put in that qualification. Well, let's come more to chapter 16. And chapter 16 and verse uh, 1. They took their journey from Elim, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. A whole month now has passed as they enter uh, into uh, the wilderness of Sin. Verse 2, and the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full. For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with uh, hunger. Well, friends, already that statute taught to them uh, and implanted in them, that first lesson has already been forgotten. And uh, again, they... They've run out of food. Uh, the supplies that they brought with them, no doubt, uh, from Egypt of bread has uh, run out. And uh, they have no bread. And uh, they, again, resort to complaining, murmuring against Moses and Aaron, and forgetting to pray and call on the, on the Lord. But as we read these words, it's, it, it almost, the, the way that they are speaking almost makes it seem as if they, had such a, they were having such a wonderful time uh, in Egypt and that Moses has taken them away from that wonderful time that they were having, that they were having, uh, living it up almost in Egypt. We sat by the flesh pots. We had bread to the full uh, to eat. We had everything to hand. But they were slaves. They were slaves there. They were treated mercilessly. They were treated cruelly by the Egyptians. They didn't have freedom. They couldn't go about their daily life according to their wishes. They were told what to do. They had forced labor. They had hard labor day in, day out. They had access to some food, but they were certainly not living in luxury, as they seem to imply uh, from these words. Well, how will the Lord respond? The Lord's response really is somewhat amazing. Because there's no reproof in his reply. There's no uh, upbraiding of them, not for this time. It's early in their journey. They're learning still the way uh, to believe and trust in the Lord. So this time there's no reproof given. And here we see in, in verses 4 and 5 the direction uh, how the Lord is going to provide uh, for this people. It's a word he's speaking... Uh, to Moses directly. Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather uh, daily. So here, two things. The Lord is going to provide for this vast multitude of people 
two million people at least, maybe a little bit more even. And he's going to provide bread for them every single day of their journey until they reach that promised land. This is uh, what he promises to do. And it's also, as well as a promise of provision, I will provide uh, bread from heaven. It's also approving here. And the Lord says here, I will pr uh, that I may prove them. Attached to the providing is a, a, a proving of the people, which you will come to uh, in a minute. But uh, let's say a little bit about this bread from heaven. And friends, I'm not going to go through all the verses here because they're a little bit too many. And I uh, want to really concentrate just on the manna itself and draw lessons from the manna because it's so rich in what it has uh, to teach us. That manna, that bread which the Lord would provide from, for them, well, we read in verse uh, 13, uh, it, it, would, it would come when the dew uh, rose, rose up uh, from the ground uh, in the early morning, when the dew disappeared. Uh, then in verse 14, they would find upon the face of the wilderness a small round thing as small as a hoarfrost on the ground. Bread that had appeared suddenly. It hadn't grown. It was, there were no plants around. They just found it on the ground. It had come directly, as it were, from heaven out of the sky. And when the people saw it, verse 15, well, they couldn't make out what it was. They were confused by what, they were baffled by what they saw. And they looked at it from one angle and looked at another angle. They didn't know. And they asked one another and they called in the experts on seeds. And the experts on seeds didn't know. They said, we've never seen anything like this before. And so they called it, what is it? What is it? It's unusual. This is unique. This is something new to us. And uh, that's the name. That's what the meaning of manna is. What uh, is it? It was a new substance to them. Verse 31 tells us that it was like coriander seed, like coriander seed, and it was white, and the taste of it was like wafers made uh, with honey. And uh, from this seed, they would be able to make bread, and this provision would be for the rest of their journey. Verse 35, the children did eat of Israel, did eat manna 40 years until they came to a land inhabited. They did eat manna until they came unto the borders of the land of Canaan. So this is going to be their staple diet. The Lord daily are doing this miracle. Every time they woke up and the dew lifted, they would see on the ground the uh, coriander seed, or uh, light coriander seed, the manna. And then when the sun came up and it was hot, well, those uh, seeds would melt and disappear. The next day, there would be another provision. But I want to just look at this manna from three different viewpoints. Firstly, as a test, and then secondly, as a type of Christ, and thirdly, figuratively, of the scriptures as our spiritual food, because that's what it also represents. So firstly, the manna as a test. Verse 4 again, the Lord said, I may, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. The way in which they went out and followed the instructions that were given to them uh, through Moses was a kind of proving uh, of the children of Israel to see whether they would do as God had said. 
Yes, God would definitely provide for them, but would the, would the children of Israel obey? Would they follow the instructions that were given to them? Once the dew had lifted, well, the people had to go out and gather a certain rate, we are told in verse 4. A certain rate every day. That means a day's supply. They were to gather a reasonable quantity for, uh, for himself and for his family, and they were not to be greedy and uh, uh, take more than was necessary. Uh, they were, each man took according to his need. Those with a higher metabolism, those with a, uh, a bigger appetite, we could say, they, well, they took more. And those who needed less, well, they, uh, they took less. But uh, each one was to gather an amount for the day. They were not to do a weekly shop. They were to just do a daily in, in gathering. They had to trust the Lord for tomorrow. That's the test. That's a proof. I'll just take enough for today, and tomorrow I believe that the Lord will also provide for them, for, for us. Then they had to eat all of it which they had gathered. Eat, they could eat and enjoy uh, the bread that uh, was given, but for the day. And they could go to bed satisfied with what they had had and rejoicing it without any anxiety about uh, tomorrow's bread. Uh, verse 19, we see this. Uh, Moses said, let no man leave of it till the morning. Did they obey? Well, many did, but some didn't. Verse 20, notwithstanding, they hearken not unto Moses, but some of them left of it until the morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was angry uh, with them. So uh, the, uh, while many did listen, some failed uh, the test. And, then, and it's, a, it's a sign again of uh, doubting and of faithlessness. But we'll keep some over for tomorrow. We may not have any tomorrow. But the Lord had said he would provide. But they doubted, and so they left it. But it, we read here, it bred worms and stank. And then they, they were also told that on the sixth day, they were to gather twice as much. And you can see that in verse uh, 5. There was to be no collection on the seventh day. The seventh day was uh, to be a day of rest uh, for them. And uh, uh, the Sabbath, it was this, uh, to be a Sabbath uh, to them. And they were not to collect any on that particular day. And the manna didn't fall uh, on that day. It fell on every other day except the Sabbath. It stopped. They were, uh, it, uh, nothing fell. And yet, did the people listen? Did the people obey? Well, verse 27, again, we read, It came to pass that they went out, some of the people, on the seventh day, for together, and they found uh, none. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long refuse ye to keep my commandments and my laws? So some, again, obeyed, and some failed the test, and they disobeyed. Perhaps they thought, Oh, uh, well, we didn't gather enough. Uh, it's going to come every day. We go, so we didn't gather enough uh, on, the, on, the, on the sixth day. So they went out again on the seventh day. But we, we, uh, we see that they acted in uh, disobedience. So all these things, uh, even in the provision, they didn't follow instructions as the Lord had told them to do. Oh, friends, the continual... Uh, provision, this test 
uh, is also a lesson uh, for us that we are to live our lives in daily dependence on, on, the, on the Lord. The Lord taught us in, his, in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. That's how we are to live. That's how we are to think. Nothing wrong in setting aside a little uh, for a rainy day for the future. But generally, our principle is every day we're living, uh, looking to the Lord to provide our needs. We are going to trust him for today. We're going to trust him uh, to provide for our needs uh, for tomorrow. We're to be like those birds uh, who didn't uh, store away in barns, uh, but uh, just uh, to be like them, and somewhat carefree about those things. Not unduly anxious, overly anxious about it, but trusting that the Lord will provide. God, uh, somebody said, God lets our blessings trickle to us drop by drop instead of pouring them in a flood all at once upon us to teach us dependence upon him and how we need to learn that lesson and are often having to relearn uh, the lesson. But secondly, let's think of the manna as a type of Christ. And I'm just going to read some verses for you from John chapter uh, 6. In John chapter 6, again, you know this chapter uh, very well. The Lord uh, says there, He is the bread from heaven. He is the true bread. John chapter 6, uh, verse 31. Uh, the, <coughs> the Pharisees said to the Lord, Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they, Lord, evermore uh, give us this bread. And verse 48, I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So Jesus is the bread of life. And this manna is a type of Christ. Now just very briefly and quickly mention in what way. The manna fell from heaven, so also Christ. Uh, came uh, from heaven, came from heaven to give us uh, eternal life. The manna was unique. They'd never seen anything like it uh, before. What is it, they said, of the manna? So, so with Christ. Christ is also unique. People couldn't figure him out. Uh, people uh, wondered uh, who he was. People were uh, un unable to discern, really, uh, who he was, and they were asking him all, all sorts of questions and thinking about him in all different sorts of ways. He even asked people, who do men say that I am? And some said uh, this prophet and that prophet. Some said John the Baptist. And some people thought he was divine. Some people, sadly, and uh, thought of him as having a devil. Others said of him that he is mad. All these different opinions that were held about him. He was curious to so many. Many, I'm sure, went out to listen to him because they were curious to find out they never heard anyone like him before. They never seen anyone like him. So gracious, 
so loving, so kind, not like the Pharisees. And they were stupefied and wanted to know more. Who are you? The Pharisees kept asking him. Tell us. And the Lord said, I've told you plainly so many times. And they uh, wouldn't listen. Well, he was unique. Also, in, this, in a sense, that he was fully God and fully man. There was no one like him. None of us, in that sense, can compare uh, with him. He is uh, unique. The manna also was food. And it satisfied all the people who partook of it. They were glad uh, they were uh, through it. It satisfied their great need uh, of, uh, of their bodies. So Christ satisfies the great need of our souls, our spiritual needs. Through faith in him, uh, we come to know uh, forgiveness. We come to know the purpose of our life. We feel content. And we feel more than content sometimes. We feel happy and satisfied and joyful in the Lord. And we uh, rejoice in what uh, we have taken uh, of him. The manna, of course, was freely given. The people didn't have to work for it. It just dropped, as it were, from heaven. All they had to do was go out and to collect it. No labor for them. No planting, no sowing uh, involved for them. There's, there, no money had to be paid uh, for it. It was free. Grace. It's grace, isn't it? It's all about grace. Graciously given by God. So also with salvation. Free salvation. We don't work for it. We don't labor for it. It's freely given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's one thing we must do if we haven't done so as yet. And that, we, that is just like the Israelites. We have to go out and gather. Uh, well, we also have to exercise faith in Christ. It's no good for us to just sit in the tent and say, let the food come to me. No, we have to go out to Christ. We have to go out and get it. We have to partake by faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to uh, make him our own by coming to him in repentance and faith. Oh, friends, I came also every day. There was no failure in this provision. And so too for us. Every day we must live on Christ. Every day we must reflect. He must be our spiritual food. He must be the source of our spiritual life. The, the quickening that we get must be from thinking and reflecting on him and what he has done. There's an infinite supply of grace and blessing to be found in Christ. Oh, uh, he's, there's enough in him to feed the whole world if everyone were to turn uh, to him. And we must uh, every day uh, come and feed on the Savior. And then also we could say it's the substance, uh, this, the manner, it never changed. For 40 years it was the same. It remained unchanged. Christ never changes. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. You find him gracious today. You find him loving today. He'll be the same just like that tomorrow. You'll be the same in 40 years' time. You'll be the same at the end of your life as you found him at the beginning of your spiritual life. He doesn't uh, change. And then we have to say as well, isn't it? Just like this uh, manna was sweet like honey, the taste of it, so also to know Christ. Oh, it's delightful, friends. It's a, to know the Lord is a life of joy, of peace, of happiness. We know these things through knowing him, just to, uh, to have him. 
well, it's a delight uh, in our souls. And just one other thing is that it's a test also, just like this manna was a test. So Christ, we could say, is a test for mankind. Will you believe in him? Will you receive him? Will you go out and take him or not? Well, everything depends. People's eternal destiny depends on this, whether they receive the Lord Jesus Christ or reject him. Well, let's uh, move on. Uh, thirdly, uh, to the manner as a figurative of uh, Scripture. And here we see the manner uh, as it sustained the people of Israel and uh, kept them in a fit state and kept them healthy day after day. It was their daily nourishment. So also the Bible is what we need uh, to keep us fit, to keep us spiritually fit and active, to keep us growing well, we need the good food of the Bible. We need to, it's through the, the scriptures that we grow in grace. It's through the scriptures that young babies in the faith become young men, and young men become as adults in the faith. It's through knowing the scriptures. Oh, friends, we have to wonder, isn't it, why a number of churches don't emphasize the word of God and don't make a big point of teaching the word of God. And then, what does that lead to? If a church emphasizes instead superficial things, if it emphasizes music, or it emphasizes uh, visions, or it emphasizes on the miracles and other things, well, what is that compared to the meat of the Word of God? This, is, this uh, to be under the sound of God's Word, is what we find helpful, is what we find encouraging, is what we find a strengthening to our souls, and this is what we need. If a church is given over to these superficial things, well, it can only produce superficial believers and weak believers and believers who never really make any progress in spiritual things. But as people are fed with the Word of God and it's received and welcomed by those people, and it's uh, fed upon uh, week after week and personally, well, then those men and women will grow in the Lord and will be able to stand, as it were, on their own two feet and will be um, uh, not children tossed about with every wind of doctrine. So it's so vital uh, for churches to have uh, the Bible at the center uh, of things and not other things. But also for us uh, personally, if, we are, if I am to be a healthy believer, I must daily feed on the scriptures. I must make a point of opening it uh, every day and, and gathering food for our souls. And that needs a bit of time and it needs a bit of thought. So it's not just reading. Reading is one thing and we must do that. But think about what you read and uh, try and meditate on what you read. That's so helpful. Such a lost art, really. Uh, the, our forefathers used to spend a lot of time meditating upon a verse or a, uh, an attribute of God or some portion of Scripture. Uh, and that deepens us as we, as we do that. Oh, friends, uh, this is so important that we open uh, the Scriptures day after day after day for the rest of our spiritual journey, looking for its instructions, uh, uh, dwelling on its promises, holding those promises, uh, memorizing them, keeping them in our minds, in our hearts, looking at the explanations 
for scripture, all the time praying, Lord, give me understanding, teach me by your spirit what these things mean. Looking for the attributes of God so that you can come to know the Lord better. Looking especially for Christ in the scriptures and seeing him. Oh, friends, we need uh, to, uh, we need this. Remember Paul, the Apostle Paul, <laughs> he said that I may know him. He'd already known the Lord for such a long time. Yet he still says that I may know uh, him. And that's what we need to uh, have as well, that desire to go on to know the Lord in a deeper and better way. So don't, when you read everything, don't just swallow everything down, but as it were, chew uh, on the scriptures, chew on the verses and think on it, feed on uh, God's word. Well, if I neglect it, I will suffer. If I neglect the scriptures, it can only have a detrimental effect on my spiritual life. But I've read through it once, you may say. I've read through the whole Bible. What should I do now? Read it again. <laughs> read it again and again. And uh, keep on reading it. As you read it, you'll uh, come across uh, some new things that you missed and didn't see before. Or you'll be reminded of uh, old things. And either way, uh, it'll be a blessing and a help to you. And there are many of us here who are over 50 years old, and you've been eating bread uh, for over 50 years, and you never complained. I never heard you complain about eating bread for such a long time, and you still enjoy it. Well, it's the same with scriptures. We, we read it, and we never uh, complain about it. Sadly, sadly, these children of Israel, on a future occasion, they would go on to complain about uh, these things and said, oh, our soul loath this light bread. They complained about the manner which God had provided for them. But may it never be words that are uttered from our lips. Well, just in closing, I just want to say one final thing, and that's a, a word about the Lord's Day, because that comes through as well so very clearly uh, in this chapter. Mm. And uh, to me, it's very clear. To me, it's, it's very plain. If, if you haven't read through the chapter, read through it in your own time. But it's very clear that uh, the people knew about the Sabbath. And when M Moses told them what to do, they didn't question it. In fact, when the Lord told Moses in verse 5, gather twice as much on the sixth day, Moses didn't say, why? Why, Lord? Why on the sixth day? Moses understood that uh, what the Lord was saying. The Sabbath day was to be kept apart. Again, in verse 22, the people went out and they gathered a double portion and they seem to know better than their rulers because their rulers were surprised. Why are they gathering a double portion? And verse uh, 23, uh, verse 23, Moses said to them, sorry, uh, Moses said to the rulers, this is that which the Lord hath said, tomorrow is the rest day of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which ye will bake today and seed that ye will seed and that which remaineth over lay up for you to be kept uh, in the morning. So this, he, he reminded them, this is the Holy Sabbath. This is uh, what uh, has been practiced uh, since the beginning of time. The Sabbath day, the keeping of the sa uh, Sabbath day, is a creation ordinance. And it was uh, put into place by the Lord on that seventh day. And Moses and the people, well, they seem to be aware of it. And yet there are friends who say to us as they read this chapter, oh no, it's, that's not the case. Uh, but the Lord, they are being prepared 
for the Sabbath day. When Moses, when they come to Sinai, Moses is going to inscribe it into that moral law. And they're saying this is like the first time that they are being taught about the Sabbath. But it doesn't seem so uh, to us as we read it. But friends, here it is. The Sabbath also, now the Lord's day, is still valid. And it will always be. These Israelites, they kept the Sabbath for the rest of their journey. And when they got into the promised land, they continued to keep the seventh day. For us, we have the Lord's day. The principle remains. One day in seven is to be set aside uh, for the Lord. The Sundays are to be set aside for our God, for that spiritual rest. Not just to, not to lie in bed until uh, a very late hour and say, this is my rest day. That's not the idea in mind. No, friends, it's spiritual rest, spiritual activity, uh, worshipping the Lord, being active for the Lord. In this we find our rest, in worshipping Him, in hearing His Word, in coming together morning and evening, where we hear and are refreshed by these things. We do our preparation on Saturday as much as we can. Perhaps we need to put a double effort in on our Saturdays so that we can have our Sundays freer. Perhaps we need to do our washing and we need to do our other cleaning in the house and our shopping on the Saturday so that we can leave Sunday free uh, to uh, worship the Lord. Well, friends, uh, please receive these words. And they're not mine, but uh, here they are, the word uh, from uh, the Lord. This is the lessons that he was teaching them and their lessons also for us. Verse 35, in closing, the children of Israel did eat manna 40 years until they came to a land inhabited. They did eat manna until they came unto the borders of the land of Canaan, a marvelous, miraculous provision and so symbolic of Christ and the scriptures. Oh, may the Lord bless these things to us. Amen.